0: Lisa. And I'm Sheila. Welcome to Lunch with Lisa and Sheila, the podcast where we try to quench our curiosity about the world. In each episode, we invite a guest
1: to help us explore a topic or question that piqued our interest during a lunchtime conversation at school.
0: Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for being here for our first ever podcast. Lisa and I have chosen as our first guest, counselor Suzanne Wesley, and both of us have known Suzanne for a long time as she used to be an educator in our school. We definitely appreciate her being our guinea pig for our first podcast, and we've learned a lot just by talking with her, and we also are happy that you are along with us for the journey. Enjoy. Today we have a guest who we know very well and we're interested in her for two reasons but this is Ms. Suzanne D. Wesley who is a counselor and let me just tell you a little bit about Suzanne. She works with patients of all ages and with a variety of mental health concerns including but not limited to anxiety, depression, trauma, grief, ADD, school struggles, life transitions, coping skills, behavioral issues, stress, abuse, and peer relationships. Suzanne has a very inclusive therapy style to meet each patient's unique needs. Some therapy approaches that Suzanne uses are cognitive behavioral therapy, person-centered therapy, play therapy, and psychoeducation. Suzanne is a licensed professional counselor with a master's in counseling from Lakeland University. She is passionate about supporting people through their personal journeys and accomplishing their goals. Suzanne creates a safe and supportive environment to enable her patients to grow and heal. That's a lot that you do. Welcome, Suzanne.
2: Great, well, thank you. Excited to be here. And Thanks we are. We are excited
1: to have you. Um, so first, before we jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role as a counselor?
2: Okay, specifically um, here at Integrity Counseling, um, I am a counselor in two offices. I work with, as my bio side, people of all ages. Um. So one office, I focus more on, um, children. Um, I found amongst my colleagues and such that we all kind of have our little niche that we, you know, do well with and prefer to work with. Um, so I am quote unquote, the child expert. Um, because I start with the three year olds. Um, there's nobody else in the group that starts that young. Some will do like five or eight. Um, but I go to all the way down to the littles, which I love working with. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I find it working with a wide variety of different skills, um, different needs. Okay.
1: <laughs> wow. So you like? So you really like the little the little kids? Are you surprised by that, or is it something you knew about yourself?
2: Um, I kind of knew that I liked working with the kids going in. Um, before I finished up my masters in counseling, I did a play therapy certification program. Mm-hmm and so that has given me a great knowledge base to start with
0: can you talk about that play
2: therapy so play therapy is used um, traditionally with younger kids Um, when kids experience you know trauma divorce you know anything as a child their language at that point is play um they don't have the vocabulary of an adult or someone who's older to express the feelings. They just, they feel them on the inside and they act them out. So using the play therapy, they're able to act out what they're feeling and show me what, what's going on. And sometimes just going through like the repetitive play of something is just what they need. They just need somebody to be there to be supportive and not try to correct their play. Just, you know, be part of it and note it. And, give them vocabulary to go with what's going on. It's like, oh, that person looks like they're really angry. Sure. And they start, and then they have those words to be able to communicate and are just able to, yeah, express themselves. Just to,
0: you know, name those feelings must be very powerful for them.
2: Yes, it is definitely very powerful. And working with the younger kids, I also do a lot of education with the family and helping them to understand how to support their, their child. You know, if they, you have a child with a lot of anger, you know, they're they're. Some come in and they're just like at their their wits end, and just explaining to them that, you know, maybe they're they're the safe person in the child's life that's a safe place to act out because they know that person's not going anywhere. Right. If it's, if it's a random person, they may not act out as much because they're not sure that that's a safe person. Sure.
0: So it's an honor when your child acts up in front of you in a way because. You're their safe person.
2: Yes, yes. So I, I know when a child is becoming more comfortable with me because I start seeing more open, you know, kind of raw emotions coming out. But on the same hand, I also watch as their play changes, um, and mm-hmm. I can see that they're making progress. Um, I you know, have one client came in with a lot of anger. And over the course of several months, the play has become much more gentler. Um, and it, it's just, there's been a change. And there's been a change in behavior at the home.
0: How far up in age do you go with the play therapy
2: typically? Um, typically, I mean, it's incorporated, you know, all the way up into the teens. Um, okay. But the big focus of, you know, like what you traditionally think of play is probably like that 10 and under, mm. but play can also be used with the adults. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they had some trauma that took place when they were, you know, under four or five, mm-hmm. digging out the toy sometimes it is a good way for them to express it.
0: Sure.
2: Um, I haven't had the opportunity to do that with any adults yet. Mm-hmm. It's say opportunity of their need. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but it can be used in that manner also.
0: Hmm.
1: So So without getting into specifics, do do you right away know what kind of play to go into with kids, or does it take a few appointments to get to know them?
2: It it does take time to get to know the kids. Um, I let them direct the play. Okay. Um, And then depending on where we're going, I will intervene or, or add things to the play as needed, like... You know, making those comments of, hmm, I wonder how they're feeling right now, or man, that looks really scary, or oh, they look like they're really angry right now. Yeah. Or, you know, it, oh, I wonder what happened if they would do blank.
0: Sort of leading them.
2: Yeah, leading them. Or, hmm, how could they, you know, how could they do this differently next time? <laughs> wow. Yeah, so you know, incorporating those skills right into the play. Sure. Um, and some kids you have more structured activities with, and others it's it's much more. They really definitely lead. Okay.
0: Now, it, is it? I'm sure it's not. So, like, you have a client come in and you start with the play therapy, but it doesn't seem to be catching this child's interest or moving them anywhere. Are there other
2: tactics, or how does that work? Um, what are your tools? Um, I do have some therapy games. Um, we do I, I do a lot with like art also art for expression and um, I know I actually have a set of art cards that have different themes on them. I guess we're on radio so you can't see but
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, but you know like there's one that's um, inside outside mass. And so they go through the process of making a mask and one is one side is like their outside visual mask and the other side is what they're feeling on the inside.
0: Oh, I so like that.
2: the art leads to dialogue and conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, especially like with my teens, you know, working on a project or playing a game and then we're talking while we're doing that.
0: Sure.
2: Um, it just, it takes away the... I don't know, the come up area. It relaxes the atmosphere. Sure. So, you know, you're playing a game of chess and you're, you're talking about different things as you're playing. Or, you know, sure. Or is a popular one. Um, oh,
0: can I just say, are you a fan of The Office? Did you ever see when um, Michael has to go to so many hours of therapy with Toby? Not an Office fan. Okay. He <laughs> no, plays- I haven't seen The Office. I'm so sorry. I- where swear one, one of them is Connect Board. And he does get Michael to open up. So <laughs> they yeah. must have gotten that from real world therapy. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Idea. Yeah. So, yeah, there are times that people will look in an office and then be like, why are there board games like Sorry and Shoots and Ladders? And yeah. you're surprised what you can do. Um, it shoots and ladders, in fact, one time with one of the kiddos, we picked out two emotions. And if you went up a ladder, you had to talk about something related to that emotion. If you went down a you know, slide, you had to talk about the other one. Wow. So maybe a story or situation.
1: Sure. So you use the games as catalysts for other things? Yes. Sweet. I love it. We're going to talk about your career change a little bit later, but you were an educator before this. Are you using skills that you used in your classroom setting here, or is it a totally different skill set?
2: Oh, the, the skills overlap. A lot. Um, yeah, definitely a lot. Just, you know, being able to, you know, the communication skills, the planning skills, um, inter- you know, the collaborative working with colleagues. Let's see, I'm trying to think what else. Um, yeah, and just, you know, watching, being proud of seeing their growth. Yeah. And you're part of that. I bet. You know, and just having those, you know, those listening skills, it, All those those classic skills you do when you're teaching. Yeah. Yeah, the listening and the leading. um, But, you know, there are differences, too. There are differences. You know, there's no grades. (laughs) No report cards. (laughs)
1: Lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, you know, like, teachers have to do lesson plans. Um, I do have to kind of plan ahead with, you know, what I'm doing, especially with my younger clients. Like, do I need a specific visual or... Uh, you know, for things I do work with uh, a couple of um, cognitively challenged um, adults. And so, like, one thing we're, we work on is sometimes it's just budgeting their money. Okay. And mm-hmm. the difference between a need and a want. So, you know, having props and, you know, fake money is mm-hmm. helpful. And making sure I have them, especially traveling between offices, making sure I have the props in the correct office.
1: Gotcha. So you
2: have to and think do- ahead. Yeah, think ahead. Okay.
1: So what does a typical day look like for you then?
2: Um, I don't know if there's such thing as a typical day. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, the basic arrival at the office. I have several days where I start like 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, um, and I see anywhere from typically 5 to 7 people. 5 is considered a, a full day. Um, I choose to only do 4 days a week. So to get my full load in, I usually do about 6 people but I have had more people um, and, you know, so it's meeting with each client as they come in, you know, listening and guiding and working towards their individual goals it might involve, you know, teaching skills or, you know, giving those prompting questions to help them kind of look at things from a, a different angle. Okay. And is it usually about an hour? Uh, usually about 50 minutes. 50? So I have about 10 minutes in between to hopefully get some notes done, you know, a little bit of that paperwork documentation.
0: Do you give them, I mean, I'm thinking of education now, do you give them like little assignments, what to work on when they get home and what to come back hopefully with, with them next time?
2: Um, yes, quite quite often there's a little thing that they have to work on. It may not be like a paper assignment, um, but it might be a, a, a small goal. Um, you know, if the client is completely overwhelmed, let's say that the state of their home. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be, okay, you know, we broke it down into, okay, this individual room, this small task in this room, you know, something as simple as, okay, that pile of canned goods is sitting on my stove, I'm going to make sure that they're put away by our next session. Tiny goals. Tiny goals, teaching that, you know, those tiny goals, and then they add up, and pretty soon you're quite as overwhelmed. Right. Um, You know, some of my my littles, um, sometimes just, you know having them try to be aware of how they're feeling in their different emotion states because sometimes they don't even realize what their body feels like like when they're feeling angry, when they're frustrated or when they're sad. So they be able to associate that word with how their body's actually feeling.
0: Right. Recognize
2: yeah. it. Recognizing that or looking for triggers like, Oh, notice, okay. You, you, you blew up, you got angry. What was going on before that? Or you know you, you ended up in the fetal position. What was going on before that? You know, what was that, that trigger? what led you to that?
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah I'm almost that... embarrassed by asking this question, but because you've obviously <laughs> touched on a lot of things already, but so talk to us about how a role of a counselor fills a need in society. Like what, what role do you feel counselors
2: fulfill? Well, I we have talked a little bit. I mean, we yeah. just, we're helping people navigate their life in, you know, difficult situations, you know, from, you know, death to stress to job transitions to relationships, um, you know, skills that they might need. Uh, you know, I have a couple with a chronic, you know, illness, you know, just learning how to, you know, go through their day and not let their illness drag them down. One uh, client with a transition and retirement, like they're going from working, you know, 60, 80 hour weeks to suddenly they have all this time. Mm-hmm. Just the changes in relationships and struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that are suddenly in a new situation and, you know, something from the past has now come up, or a parent has died, or a sibling has died, or they're just stressed with job and family. So there's just so many things to just people kind of navigate through that so it doesn't it's not an anchor in their life right able to continue to you know function and go on with life yeah
0: wow and those are like those are things that happen to everybody i feel like i should make some appointments with you (laughs) like navigating through life but if you got some tools man (laughs) right
2: Well, and many people have have the tools and are able to navigate through some of those and without problems. But sometimes it just gets to be too much or you just need a neutral third party or just somebody that you can just tell everything to. They're not going to judge you. Mm -hmm. They're just going to listen. You know, like if you're in a family conflict, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your friends, other family members, everybody's invested somehow so they're going to give you your opinion and tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, if you're talking to somebody who doesn't know the family, mm-hmm. you know, neutral. they're not going to listen, they're neutral, um, might be able to shed some light on like, oh, um, I had one person, they were talking about all these different things going on. And it's like, you know, it really sounds like you're, you're frustrated. is your It sounds like your family's abandoned you. Mm. And they're like, oh, you're right. <laughs> but to be able to, as an outsider, to look yep. at all the little pieces and look at what, what is the bigger picture.
0: Interesting.
2: Yeah, They may be complaining about X, Y, and Z. You're not complaining, talking about X, Y, and Z. But it's it's really, it's a bigger emotion or feeling going on.
0: That they're not recognizing and their family's not recognizing or at least not being proactive about it. Yes. And you as the professional, the trained professional can recognize and
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yes that's great
1: wow and do is as a professional is it is it hard to become emotionally invested or are you able to to take a step back and not become emotionally invested with every client
2: um you become a little bit emotionally invested in all of them okay. some more than others um so that's one thing is very important and uh, you know and for everyone is that self-care but you know especially for counselors we have to make sure that we you know, separate out our work life and our personal life, okay. you know, we try to leave our clients at work, but there's always some that kind of come home with you or you think about, okay. um, but you know, that's definitely a process to learn how to kind of separate the two out. Because yeah. if you get too emotionally invested, um, you will just be overwhelmed and you need your own counselor. Right.
1: And you're not that impartial listener anymore you're now involved in the person's well-being
2: okay that makes sense and you know just in working with you know quite a few different clients you know if it's especially a minor you know they'll tell you one thing and then you talk to the you know the guardians and they'll tell you another thing and it's like oh now this is making more sense some pieces were missing
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely
0: wow fascinating stuff Suzanne I didn't know half of that stuff right yeah and And I bet your education knowledge and experience is a huge asset to you because I keep thinking like, you know, teachers too have to not get too, you can't bring it home, you know, you'll get burned out and and not to the same degree with the things that you're dealing with or we only know half the story and then you talk to the mom and you're like, oh, okay, you know. Yes. Yes that seems similar that you have like people who haven't been teachers first have to learn all that where you came in knowing that.
2: Yes. And and another piece that really was helpful from the education is that flexibility and being able to think on your feet Mm -hmm. and be able to, to roll with things. Um, You know, I will go into a session with like, Oh, we can do this with this person today. And they come in and it's like, Nope, we're not doing that today. We've got to deal with something else or they want to do something else or, you know, something doesn't go right. You don't have something, but usually it's, I let the client kind of direct what they need to work on and, you know, work through that day. There are times that I do need to push them a little bit because like, you know, we, the first, first meeting with them, you know, not only am I getting background history, but we're setting up goals, things we're working towards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are people that will, you know, avoid them just by nature. of It's uncomfortable sometimes to try to meet those goals. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have to be the one that, you know, give them a little little push in the right direction. Do they get angry with you sometimes? Frustrated, irritated. Um, I did have one tell me that, um, you know, I don't let her get away with anything. You
0: said you're right about that. <laughs> yep,
2: yep. And she said, yep, that's a good thing.
1: That's a good thing. Full welcome. disclosure, we've known Suzanne for decades now, right? And Suzanne was like that as a teacher as well. <laughs> 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 she would not yep. let anybody get away with anything, and she was quick thinking on her feet.
2: <laughs> yep. Oh, and it, that quick thinking on feet has definitely, yeah. my first couple of months has definitely helped. I mean, it's amazing how much of like your education just naturally comes out Yeah, as you're working. But, you know, sometimes a situation comes up and I had one of my littles that got mad at me one day and, you know, they didn't lash out at me. Instead they showed their anger by dumping out every single bin of toys into a nice neat pile. And you know, I'd be sitting there like, "Do I sit back and just watch, or do I intervene?" And I just sat back and watched, and realized that this was a very controlled anger response. Huh. Yeah, they tried to do it the next week, and then they were just pushing boundaries, right? Pushing. And I wasn't spend two hours cleaning and sorting toys again. <laughs>
1: So, so what prompted this change then from education to counseling? I mean, you were a teacher for, what, like 17 years? What what yeah. prompted this change for you?
2: I guess I saw the need, you know, with the students. And I just kind of had that intuition with them. Okay, there's something else more that, that's going on. And it was kind of frustrating because I could identify it, but all I could do was then Refer them off to the school counselors. Yeah, I wasn't able to continue to do more with that, and I just kind of always had a natural passion for that. Um, and so my passion leaned more towards helping the kids with those emotional things and and educating mm-hmm. on other things more so than what I was supposed to be teaching. So it was like the call was going elsewhere. I still enjoyed teaching I you know mm-hmm. I still enjoyed working with the kids. It was just I wanted to work with them in a different different way.
1: right and and again, having worked yeah. with you, like looking back now can totally see that.
2: Like right. those teach are the moments you.
1: where you were excited when you could teach them life lessons and life skills. Yes. you know in particular I'm thinking of like using a hammer or things like that. but there were other times yeah. where you know you you walked them through their feelings or their emotions. So I can, I can totally see that now, now that you mention it. Yeah. And it's
2: just took a while to get there.
1: How amazing that you found your calling, Suzanne. That's awesome.
2: How long were you
0: kind of living in both worlds, sort of thinking, you know what? I might just want to.
2: (laughs) Oh, Sheila, how long was that? (laughs) How long did we carpool? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it it was interesting you know I, I was thinking about going um for my master's and I just you know I was thinking either you know educational technology or counseling and then back and forth and back and forth and Sheila knows this because we had many discussions about this as we were carpooling um so it was probably a good I would say probably five years I went back and forth on that decision Okay. And then I remember when I finally made up my mind and uh, Sheila was like, okay, you need a letter of recommendation? I'll have it ready for you. You get that application filled out and turned in." <laughs> she did she not, let me, she <laughs> not <laughs> let me drag my feet. I remember that. <laughs> Which I'm very grateful for. Very grateful for.
1: Because <laughs> I've been waiting for so long for you to make the decision. So <laughs> I was so happy for you. Like, let's go.
2: Let's do this. Yep. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was a long road.
0: Yeah. How long was the process once you decided?
2: Um, I think it took me about three years to complete the program. But I was working full time and only taking two classes a semester. Right. Um, it was a 60 credit program. And I think each class was four credits. Three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a
0: busy three years.
2: Yes, it was, and, you know, along with teaching full time, and then I still had some extracurriculars in there at first. Mm-hmm. So it's a little overwhelming, but mm-hmm. I eventually paired back and I managed to finish. Um, so, yeah, then my last three semesters, which is where I had to stop teaching, was um, internships. So I was actually in counseling offices, working with other counselors. Um, actually doing a little counseling already with, you know, a lot of supervision and just kind of learning to trade, kind of like student teaching.
0: I was going to say, do you have a mentor?
2: Um, I currently, yes, I have actually a supervisor mm-hmm. slash mentor. I'm required to at this point to have one, um, until I have completed 2000 hours okay. in counseling. Um, so I have right now it's, a, I'm a licensed counselor, but it's IT, which means in training. So over the next two years, well, probably a year and a half now, I will have to accumulate my 2000 hours, um, while being supervised, my supervisor will sign off on them. So mm-hmm. I've actually only met her two, once in person due to um, COVID. Yeah. I actually interviewed over zoom, um, yeah. and we, we meet weekly over zoom.
0: Okay. So did you started this whole new career in a pandemic?
2: Yeah, actually yeah. I did start my new job in July of after the, the pandemic. Oh
0: my gosh, Suzanne. Yeah, so And what was that
1: feeling like when you you stepped away from teaching? I mean, into this? I mean you had you stepped out of teaching for a year to do all your practicum right, but then you had to step into this world. What was that moment like?
2: It was exciting to have a job. Um, you know, kind of that, you know, you get in your first classroom, there's my first office, setting things up and um, but it really became very overwhelming after a while because, you know, I didn't have a lot of clients right away. You know, if I'd gone into like a big hospital system, it would have been I mean, different. Um, you know, there, I think believe hospital systems are more salary, whereas in the smaller clinic, you you get a percentage of what you bring in. Mm-hmm. So if I was only seeing two people a week, obviously I didn't have a large income. Um, So that provided a little stress. Um, Probably the biggest thing is just changing, you know, I had 17 years of working in education plus, you know, my K-12 experience, my undergrad experience of always having, you know, like this is when we start, this is when we end, this is your schedule. I didn't have that anymore. There was nobody saying, well, you have to start at this time and go home at this time. You get to create your own schedule. When you want to take a vacation, you schedule it in. So it really, I'm finally settling into having my choice in schedule, um, you know, with a full load now, I'm, I'm getting better about, you know, limiting the number of people I see in day and making sure I'm taking that time for myself. But, you know, it's also been a struggle as most of my friends are teachers. They're done at three, four. I work until seven o'clock at night.
1: Scheduling a Zoom meeting or dinner has been a nightmare. <laughs> it has been.
2: It has been.
1: <laughs> We're willing to so, wait for you, though, Suzanne.
0: <laughs> definitely has been.
1: Wow. All you right. So, so get. we have only about five minutes left, Lisa.
0: The timer just went on. Okay.
1: So what did you want to be when you grew up, Suzanne? And does counseling fit into that vision?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Is when I... I go back through some of like my old journals and stuff from when I was really little and I wanted to be a chef and own a restaurant. <laughs> hmm. When I a little bit older then I switched to the, the educator role. You know, I know I always had kind of that caring compassion you know, part to me, like, you know, when the church had their annual, you know, summer picnic, I'd be the one in there carrying plates for the families with lots of children or the old elderly that, you know, needed to use their walker and you know babysitting and yes you know, so I always had that caring piece to me so initially I use that you know in education yeah you know working with the, the kids I mean you can't can't be grumpy and work with kids it just doesn't work Mm-mm. and that same thing flows over here to counseling you know you're doing that one-on-one work with them and you know there's just that I'm sure you, you understand like when somebody just kinda like just gets a concept but to see the grow mm-hmm. with with my clients is just sometimes gives me goosebumps. You know, when they go from seeing you like every week to like every other week or you know, I only really need to come once a month. Um, I haven't had any yet quite yet to you know, needing to, you know, be done, but right. there are some that are close. So just to just to see that growth that they just come into their own. Oh, and you so go from somebody that's, like, anxious and they're not even sure they want to talk to you to, like, they're starting their own business. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, wow.
1: Oh, my gosh. So they come to you for a need, and then you just help them progress to whatever point they can get yep. to next or that they're ready for.
2: Yep. Oh and it, at their own pace. I can only push them so fast. Right. And I can see how that's
1: different because in school, you have to go ba-doom, 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 this thing, then this thing. Whereas now, you, you're you making your own schedule. You're helping kids at their own pace and teenagers and adults. But,
2: wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there's no – I mean, the, the start date is when they show up and the end date is who knows. You know, I mean, there's some, some of these clients I may have for several years and there's some that they'll be gone in a couple months. And that's a good that.
1: thing. I mean, that's yeah. a – that's what you want, ultimately.
2: Yes, because as some move on, then there's room for others. Right.
0: What do people not know about being a counselor? What might surprise someone?
2: I think people don't always realize how much, yeah, you know, how much emotion goes into being a counselor. Um, how demanding it is. You know, I think on TV, you always see the people saying, oh, so how does that make you feel? You know, like it's really, really simple, but people are more complex mm-hmm. than that. It, it's not what you see on, on TV. And depending on what, you know, mental health concern you're working with, what age group you're working with, there are lots of different demands. Um, and I know sometimes people can be frustrated about not being able to get in to see their counselor, but that's your counselor taking time to take care of themselves. You know, it's, it's that airplane analogy, put your air mask on before, you know, anybody else, if you, if the counselor's not healthy, they can't help you. And yeah, in, in becoming a counselor, there's more than just your basic education. There's a lot of other things behind the scenes that, I did not realize until after I was going through the process. Uh, right. So, you know, applying, going through the teacher role seemed seemed easy. <laughs> 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 Your steps. <laughs> Your steps. But I guess, yeah, probably the biggest thing is just to, to realize that it is it's a very rewarding career, but it also does have a lot of demands and things that you as a client don't see or people from the outside don't see. Sure. A lot going on behind the scenes. It's more than just sitting and listening. There's 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 more to it, right? Right.
1: There's buckets of toys being dumped on the floor that you have to clean up afterwards as well.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, working with the younger ones. Right. Um, Yep. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. It's can be kind of crazy at school some days.
1: Right. Right. (laughs) Well, we thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your expertise with us, Suzanne. Thank you for being on the first lunch with lisa and sheila podcast
2: well i'm honored to be on the first one thank you thank you for joining us in
1: our first podcast and definitely thanks to suzanne for sharing her expertise We find it interesting that counselors can develop their areas of strength and the groups of people that they'd prefer to work with. And we definitely learned a lot about the role that counselors play in a functioning society. So thanks for sharing, Suzanne. And thank you again for being a part of this. Until next time, we'll see you later on Lunch with Lisa and Sheila.